just something that just was like, oh my God, I quit. Never mind. I'm not doing this. Was there ever that point? Probably a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, you know, for me, I think I'm always questioning things like, is this the right move? Should I be doing this? And I think that's probably the hardest part about it is like when the self-doubt starts to creep in and be like, it's just, it's just too much. Like logistically, like how am I going to get all of these kegs here, kegs from Woods Boss to here to there. And like, I think, um, doing it all on my own, at least to start felt super daunting and honestly still feels like pretty daunting. And so I think it's the self-doubt that's probably the hardest part about it all. Like what if the concept doesn't come to life and now I'm sitting on 20 kegs, uh, 15,000 cans and like all of this inventory and all of this whatnot, but then it's like, also what if it succeeds? And I think that's the thing that's been pushing me the most. Um, I have a little like quote that's hung above my mirror in my room and it says, trust the process. And that's been my um, kind of inspiration for this past year. Um, A lot of things have gone down with the business, with yoga, with relationships. And I think it's just trusting um, my own intuition. So welcome to the craft beer, travel and adventure podcast with living a stout life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Can you remember that time when we lived through Prohibition? Well, we didn't really live through it. Other people did. True. And I bet you are We're not talking the 20s, 30s. Yeah, you guys are all thinking we're talking about the actual... We're We're old, but we're not that old. But we're going to go back a little bit because there was a prohibition last year. What are you talking about? (laughs) So uh, Denver's prohibition. Why are we talking about this right now? So actually our guest on the podcast today is Anna Zespa, who just last year started her own hard kombucha company. But the theming she chose to around her hard kombucha company is kind of roaring 20s and prohibition and speakeasies and all that kind of stuff um and it was really cool it's kind of a cool way to uh, market her hard kombucha product which is hooch booch i love the name too i know it's just fun to say so we we have a hooch booch yoga chick hooch booch yoga chick that's hard to say fast though say fast no yes we have a hooch booch yoga chick on the podcast this week, and we're excited about it. Say but Kenny started talking about <laughs> Kenny started talking about the prohibition like recently, and here's the deal with that. He's going to explain it. But um, Anna and uh, hooch booch hard kombucha is based out of Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. and when she had first started thinking about creating this company, it's kind of ironic and I suppose timed wisely um, when the mayor of Denver decided he wanted to declare dispensaries and liquor stores and breweries and all that non-essential. I thought I was telling this so story. So what happened from there? <laughs> so after declaring these businesses non-essential, like you said, the mayor basically told everybody in Denver, so if those things are important to you, you better go get them now because tomorrow you're not going to be able to hit I don't remember the the specific time but there was like something like a 5 p.m timing or something like that that he announced this stuff and then everybody went out and like 
flooded the city <laughs> to get their stuff and like liquor stores were like calling all their employees in because they couldn't keep product on the shelf because people were buying it so fast and some of our friends at breweries and stuff were filling crowlers like hundreds of crowlers when they usually do a few a night they were doing hundreds of them because people are like i need my beer and whatever there were lines up and down the streets at all the different places the dispensary at the time when people were trying to say you need to stay away from everybody so like he caused like all these lines and crowds to so something happen. like within a few hours of shutting those businesses down he got back on the media denver's said, mayor came back and said um Okay, these guys are actually pretty essential, um, probably to his well-being, I should say, to put it nicely. <laughs> he said. And so he backtracked, and, and Denver's prohibition only lasted a few hours. So <laughs> if you ever see a Denver Prohibition 2020 shirt, grab one, because it's a collector's item now. So. Yeah, I think so. That, now just... you know why there's a Denver Prohibition 2020 t-shirt out there. Or if you hear somebody talking about it, that's what we're talking about. And yeah, that story I thought was really <laughs> funny, and it kind of coincided quite nicely with Anna's story. Yeah, with hooch booch. Hooch booch, which hard kombucha, which is, if you don't know, um, Anna will explain it more, but it's basically like fermented tea. Yeah. It's still pretty cool, though. I mean, that's... Uh, it's a cool beverage. I mean, it's. I like it. I, I think it fits well into the craft beer. And and she'll tell you this too more, but her her hooch booch is eight and a half percent. Yeah. So it's not this like she wants to like it's based off of prohibition. So when people really wanted their alcohol, so when people really want their alcohol, they don't want a four percent seltzer water thingy majingy. They want an actual. They want actual alcohol. A drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not setting herself up to compete with the. The hard seltzers of the world. She's definitely going much bigger than the the hard seltzer people yeah. who are like Good trying stuff. to fool you into thinking they got healthy sugar water to drink. Oh, but speaking <laughs> of healthy though, but so that's the thing is it's hard kombucha and it's got a good deal of alcohol and it's got a lot of great flavor. But she's also um, a yogi, so she mm-hmm. talks a lot. Um, she talks about her yoga retreat that she did. She travels. She went to Alaska. So like the whole the whole um, her whole complete being is like quite fun and interesting and of course you know we always like inspirational people and she does that too because she had to work her ass off to get this this is all her she did everything with this business with a few you know with support and things of course from friends and family but well and like uh you know like a lot of people over the last year or so with everything that happened a lot of people reassessing their life choices and and their careers and and all kinds of things and anna was one of those people and you know because of uh the circumstances she was handed during the pandemic, it kind of led her down this path of trying to figure out what she wanted to do. And, and she'll talk about it a lot more and, and better than I can say it. But that, you know, she made some cool choices. And like a lot of people over the last year, there's a lot of positives to come out of the last year. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all negative. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of shit to deal with, but... A lot of people took that shit and turned it into gold. Pivot. Pivot. Sorry, I had to say it. But that's, it's a Take huge... your shit and turn it into a gold nugget. It's not always that easy. <laughs> that could be painful, though. That's gross. It's not always that... <laughs> it's not always that easy, too. Okay, we're leaving. Why is there always, like, this transition part that Kenny gets goofy and it's time to introduce the speaker? I don't know. I think it's just something endearing about my character. It's not. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Maybe, sort of. I don't know. It's endearing to a, maybe a handful of people. Well, your listeners love you, I suppose. 
my listeners love me. Your listeners don't. <laughs> but our listeners... Love Anna. Put up with... Oh, they will definitely love Anna. She's fantastic. Kenny had a different thought process than I did when he was saying, but our listeners put up with both. Well, they will put said? up with me. Okay. Our but, combined listeners will put okay. up with me. Speaking of listening, <laughs> you don't have to listen to us anymore. No. Oh, with that, let's jump into some hooch booch talk. Here's the hooch booch yoga chick. Anna. So I'll say uh, welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure podcast, where we are actually going to be talking travel, of course. Um, adventure, of course, but kombucha this time. So we're excited to have Anna Zezba. Did I say that correctly? You got it, Zezba. Anna Zezba with Hooch Booch. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more and maybe, you know, yeah, just tell us a little bit more. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so Hooch Booch, we are a hard kombucha company actually launching this coming week. So first week of May, 2021. Um, we got started just about a year ago at this time. Uh, due to the pandemic, I was furloughed from my job in corporate events and started to think about what's next. Um, my dad actually owns a brew pub in Minnesota. And so um, I'd kind of been bouncing some ideas off of him and kind of saw a need for the marketplace in Denver for hard kombucha being that it is you know, a health conscious city, but um, the market hasn't really been penetrated here yet. So kind of saw a gap and then just started kind of brainstorming some names. And it was at that point when Mayor Hancock actually shut down all of the liquor stores for that one brief moment of time. Famously known as Denver's prohibition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that kind of sparked my mind, sparked the thinking of, um, hooch and how people are kind of were kind of and are still drinking connecting and doing things in a completely different way so inspired the name hooch booch um, not only is it a fun play on words but all of our flavors are meant to recreate classic cocktails from the 20s so the three flavors we're launching with are the bee's knees which is a honey lemon um, old-fashioned we use um, some oak spirals and bitters and you know kind of get that heartier alcoholy flavor and then the last flavor is our Clover Club, which is a raspberry lemon. All of them come in at a piping ABV of 8.5%. We figured um, you can't call ourselves hooch booch with the four or 5%. So we decided to hit it hard. Um, all of our flavors can be enjoyed just as they are, or we say dare to go harder <laughs> at the suggested spirit. So for um, the bee's knees and the Clover Club, suggested pairing is gin whatever your favorite is, my personal favorite's Hendrix, and then old-fashioned bourbon or whiskey. So nice. Nice and hard. <laughs> so for people that don't know, what really is kombucha? Because I like a lot of our listeners are probably more familiar with craft beer. So how would you Absolutely. describe kombucha and what the difference is to a beer drinker? Yeah. So um, first of all, the base is completely different. It's made from tea. Regular kombucha is fermented tea, uses SCOBY, which is basically a mother of um, lots of different bacteria. Uh, if you believe, you know, fermented foods are healthy, then uh, kombucha is the drink for you. So <laughs> fermented tea, um, you can use pretty much any kind of tea to make the kombucha. To make it hard kombucha, it goes through a second fermentation with a champagne yeast. Okay. More sugar, more yeast, makes it boozy. The entire process for us takes about 14 days to... Oh. Get it boozy. 
you said hooch booch comes in around 8.1%, I think you said? 8.5. 8. 8.5. 8.5. Wow. So I don't want to lose those four tenths right there. <laughs> is that is that very common for kombucha or is kombucha what range does kombucha hard kombucha usually fall into alcohol-wise? Sure. So actually normal kombucha does even contain trace amounts of alcohol. Um legally it can be up to 0.5% or regular um non-alcoholic kombucha. It has to do with the fermentation. Sometimes it creates a little bit of alcohol there. Uh, for hard kombucha, typically they're coming in around five to seven, maybe seven and a half. So we're definitely the booziest for sure. So you're going big or go home, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Inspired by a pandemic year, just go for it, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, if we're drawing off of prohibition times, you know, like when drinks were deadly lethal, you know, we say it's, um, we say it's like deathly good, you know, not to be weird or anything, but yeah. Um, we love playing off of all of the fun phrases from the twenties, cat's pajamas, bees knees, and all of that kind of inspired the entire, entire concept. Where did the, so the twenties inspired that concept, but where did your idea of even making hard kombucha start with? I mean, you said your dad owned a brew pub. Was that a piece of it or, and actually what brew pub does he own? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's called Union 32. Union 32. It's in Minnesota. Where in Minnesota? Um, it's like right by suburban Egan, Invergrove, Egan okay. area. Um, just a suburb like south of St. Paul. And it's called Union 32 because Minnesota was the 32nd state of the union. So they do all Minnesota beers. It's a top wall concept where it's self-service type of thing. So he um, and some buddies started it maybe like, four-ish years ago. So I had been in there a lot, you know, kind of inspired by just like the craft of brewing. Um, my, like a little bit of history, I studied wine for a little while. So beverage has kind of always fascinated me. And then, um, I also just like to drink hard kombucha and I started thinking about it and I was like, wow, there really is not one local company in Denver at all. Most of them are coming from the West coast specifically you know, San Diego, Washington, that kind of area. And I think was just like, why not? I don't know. And <laughs> bounced the idea off my dad. And he's like, sure, try to find a brewer in, in Denver that will help you. So. So you don't have an actual location that you're going to be opening a tap room as of current because, well, I know that because we first met you at Woods Boss Brewing in Denver when we were helping with canning and that's you when you came in and that's how you're, you're doing like contract brewing then? Contract brewing. Yes. So I think eventually the hope is to open some sort of brick and mortar speakeasy concept with serving kombucha cocktails. Um, but for now, it, it just seems, you know, given we're wrapping up with the pandemic and I just want to see how it lands in the marketplace first before deciding to make that type of investment. Um, so yeah, currently contract brewing at Woods Boss, there's potential to, you know, grow from there too. We'll just have to wait and see kind of how did you get teamed up with Woods Boss? Uh, kind of two ways. So I initially started some recipe development with a brewery called Dos Luces on South Broadway in Denver. Yeah, if you don't know Dos Luces, that's a very unique brewery. They uh, focus a lot on like chicha and pulque, which is a very, it's, it's a whole other podcast in itself, which we can direct you to on our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we talked about Jen. It's pretty cool. It's a great space and great, great beers too. So yeah, 
They do. It's super interesting. But I think um, what initially drew me to Dos Luces was um, the gluten-free aspect since all of their beer is made from, I think it's blue corn. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's blue corn. Um, it, It kind of seemed like a logical option to reach out to Judd since he was already playing around with completely gluten-free. Um, I think a lot of hard kombucha drinkers are maybe the people that aren't drinking beer or like it as an alternative, maybe if it hurts their stomach, something like that. Um, so I got connected with Judd right around this time last year, I actually just walked into the brewery. I used to live across the street from Dos Luce. So I had like been there a couple of times and he happened to be there. And I just asked him, Hey, would you be willing to help with hard kombucha? He was kind of like, let me think about it. I sent him an email and a week later we were, you know, kind of starting up like a pilot brew system over there. Um, he then, when I was looking for more production capability was like, I can't, you know, take you on here. Here's a couple of people I suggest reaching out to. And he suggested Woods Boss. And then also another random connection to Woods Boss. Um, I have a friend who owns a company called Fireside at Five. They do, um, they started as like an industry-based chat from the pandemic and then now kind of moved to community-based activations. But during this time when they were hosting these chats at 5 p.m., I jumped on like various different ones from brewing to what does the hospitality industry look like in the future? And I think it was the hospitality call in which I got connected to Chad, one of Woods Boss owners, neighbor. Ah, He was on the call and he was I think he does some sort of like projection mapping or something like that. And I had just mentioned on the call like, hey, I'm looking for a contract brewer. I'm just starting in Denver. Like, do you know of anyone? And he was like, actually my neighbor owns a brewery. Let me connect you. So it was kind of from Judd and from him. So that's how I got connected to Woods Boston. They're absolutely amazing and such a joy to work with. They are. They're so much fun (laughs) and fun. Absolutely. Yeah. We were canning yesterday and it was quite a hoot. You guys know how that goes. (laughs) It was. Were you canning your hooch boots? Yes, our first canning day, first canning oh, run. So okay. we canned um, the old fashioned and we canned the Clover Club. So those are both ready to go, sitting in cold storage as we speak. That's where it was before here. And then we are um, canning the bee's knees on May 11th. So all three flavors will be done just in time for the launch party. I'm really disappointed we didn't make that canning day because for anybody that's never no. canned before, one of the great perks of canning day is that as the cans come off the line and get filled up before the tops are put on, usually if you're working there, you can have a little, uh, um, what do you call it? Shift drink, maybe. <laughs> and it's maybe a few shift drinks. Yeah, maybe a few. <laughs> and it's fresh off the line. And I mean, it's amazing to taste. It's, I mean, for us, it's usually been beer, but I would have loved to taste the kombucha coming off the line like that. I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah, it tastes really good coming off the line. Definitely the next time you guys are in town, we'll have to see when like when the canning schedule shakes out. But it would be great for you to come for the hard booch canning days. Great. That'd be cool. So are you planning right now to just stick around Denver? Do you have future plans to distribute outside of the state? Or what do you see as your growth? Yes. Um, so starting locally here, I'm starting with st- self-distribution. So I'm kind of boots on the ground running um, the sales and delivery <laughs> right now. Just, just me. Maybe yes. some friends um, who are crazy enough to volunteer. <laughs> yes, they did come to canning day yesterday, uh, which was fabulous. I have um, 
a director of marketing that's been helping me a lot. She works for a PR company in Denver. Her name is Gracie and she um, is absolutely amazing. She's kind of our social media guru slash pretty much all things marketing. And there's kind of, there is plans to bring her on full time as kind of sales and marketing director for both. Um, So then we'll kind of split up territories and do sales that way. Um, So starting in Denver, then probably Boulder is next, just close proximity. Mountain towns, absolutely for sure. Actually headed up to Breckenridge on Friday night and have plans to take a couple of cases up there and see how it lands in a mountain town feel. Um, The next plan is honestly to kind of move east with um, how much the market has penetrated in like the San Diego whole kind of like West Coast. my family's all in Minnesota. So I think that's kind of the next state. And then from there, just kind of like West to Midwest is kind of the plan. Awesome. Very cool. How, like, do you have like a timeline of that growth that you see or just kind of playing it by ear? Cause it's just starting. <laughs> well, um, I'm thinking, thinking it all depends on like production capabilities, but probably Denver Boulder through the end of the summer see how that lands. And then, um, like I said, luckily my family's in Minnesota, my dad's in the brewing industry in Minnesota. Um, so logically that kind of makes the most sense to secure production there and then kind of have like a hub in Denver, a hub in Minneapolis to then kind of like distribute out. So hopefully by like this time next year, we'll be in more States. Very cool. That's, yeah. It's moving yeah. fast and we wish you nothing but luck on that. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. It's exciting, yes. but crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, have, do you actually have time to like live a life outside of hard kombucha or is it just, just oh, yes. everything hard kombucha? Um, no, I definitely have a life outside of hard kombucha. Um, I've got a lot of friends here. I went to school at DU, studied hospitality management. For those of you who don't know, DU is University of Denver, um, which is confusing that they call it DU. But anyways, Um, went to Denver, studied hospitality and marketing. Um, so I've got a lot of friends from the program out here, just friends from school. Um, I like to ski snowboard on the weekends, hike camp in the summer, you know, all the things outdoors. Um, the nice thing now is I'm my own boss. So hopefully like long camping weekends will be great. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this summer, bringing some booch along for sure. And then, um, I also teach yoga too, as well. So, I was kind of doing that pretty much full time when the pandemic hit. And now it's kind of taken a little bit more of a backseat role, but still, you know, a prominent part in my life. I teach three to four classes a week right now. And then, um, yeah, just a couple other like fun uh, activities sprinkled into like I've had some corporate clients and that type of thing, too. So I would say you're never wanting for something to do. Uh, no, no, my schedule is crazy. And if you saw my Google calendar, you'd be like, wow, it's color coded. It's, uh, yeah, it keeps me on top of, uh, on top of my shit basically. (laughs) Well, that's one good thing about not brewing it yourself. Having uh, woods boss do the brewing for you probably, at least you don't have that rabbit hole of time to go down and like, cause that's usually an all day thing anytime you brew. So Yeah. Time and experience, honestly, most of the time I'm there while it's happening, but I'll be, you know, working on other things on my computer and then, you know, we'll test to see where things are at taste test, but I pretty much every single day I'm stopping by Woods Boss to check on things. 
So I want to get a little bit more into like your adventures with, you know, skiing, uh, skiing and yoga and all that too. But um, I do have a question first, because I think I'm curious. I don't know if everybody else is, but I'm always curious. Was this something that you had had to delve into some savings for? Or how did you finance in something like this? Because we know via like breweries that opening a brewery, for example, is like ridiculously costly. Yes. And granted, you're not opening a tap or anything like that, but there's still like funds involved. It just right, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, funds involved for sure. Um, so initially, it was self-funded for the first couple of months through Judd and and all of that. Um, luckily and unluckily, I guess I got furloughed from my job, so I was able to uh, get on unemployment. So a lot of the savings that I had went into the company, and then um, unemployment kind of coasted me throughout the rest of it. Um, then obviously teaching yoga too, and then. Um, Luckily enough, I've got some pretty sweet parents <laughs> and uh, took out a little loan from them. Um, yeah, it's an official loan, took it out for my parents and hope to pay them back. It wasn't, you know, a crazy amount because I'm contract brewing. So, you know, like you said, I don't have any infrastructure, that type of thing. So it's basically, here's my kind of like financial plan is like pay through this entire first round of contract brewing, which of course there was a couple of more upfront costs, such as like purchasing kegs, getting storage for cold storage, all of that type of thing. But, um, then the plan is once I sell kind of through this first round of inventory then just re up it again by using the money that's put back in the company. So hopefully it doesn't end up being too crazy of an investment, at least in initially. And then I kind of just plan to keep cycling the funds through. That's awesome. I mean, cause we like to inspire people to do the things that they want to do that brings them yeah. and gets them excited about life. But at the same time, there's that, you know, you have to know, you have to have some money to generally start that. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant, but you have to start from somewhere. So I always like to know kind of, well, it's possible. That's for sure. I mean, I think especially with contract brewing or just beverage in general, like kind of finding ways to just like be really scrappy about it. You know, like there's, it's, it's not glamorous every single day, you know, it's hauling stuff. Like <laughs> I rented a fluid truck for the past three days and I've been driving around a giant van, uh, hauling all of the pallets from woods boss to cold storage, woods boss, cold storage, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because there's so many pallets, but only one small van. So, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, you don't buy a truck, you do the fluid rental for three days, things like that, that just make it work Yeah. until you get there. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the presentation on the outside seems really fancy and everything to everyone. And and this happens in craft beer a lot too. Everybody's like, oh, you're a brewer. You're just this rock star brewer. So it's just fun all the time. Right. And it's like, yeah, I'm also head janitor and <laughs> delivery driver, <laughs> head delivery yeah. driver, head brewer, whatever you need. So yeah, delivery driver, all of those things. I had to like siphon out some of the kombucha in our tank that we um, store at the storage facility. And I was almost like diving into the kombucha <laughs> the other day. I feel like I came out all sticky and I was like, Okay, this is why I'm uh, paying someone to brew and I'm not doing the brewing myself. Worries <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. so, of being an yeah. entrepreneur. <laughs> does, does, yeah, does yoga help you with your stresses that way? Or does it kind of add to that because you're also trying to find time to teach your yoga classes? Um, both, I would say. 
um, initially when I was kind of transitioning from the full-time yoga to the full-time booch life, I think that's when things got really overwhelming and a little messy because I was trying to figure out what to prioritize. And, you know, obviously teaching, showing up fully for, for your students is really important. And I think, um, that was something that kind of like slipped away from me when focusing on, um, the kombucha and had to make kind of the difficult decision to be like, it's time to take a step back. Like, this is what I like doing, but the business basically needs me more right now. And it's also not fair to my students to show up kind of half-assed for lack of a better term to class either, because there's too much going on. So I've started to kind of schedule things and figure it out. Like normally I teach Monday nights and Tuesday mornings. And this week I just put my classes up because I was like, I know it's canning. I know it's the first week of launch. Like I can't be dedicated to both. And then as far as like my own personal practice, um, I would say it's almost more of a meditation and like stillness game than it is like a physical practice for me as of late. Um, my physicalness currently is like walks around the park when I get home, like either listening to podcasts or music to just kind of unwind from the day. Um, but in the morning, I typically start with like a 15 to 30 minute, depending on how much time I have for meditation, just because I think it um, gets my head clear for the day. And honestly, some of my best business thoughts have been from meditation. And so I think when that practice slips away, it's not really like living in the yoga anymore. And so I definitely try to incorporate that, but some days it's, some days it's a no. <laughs> so. so this last year was pretty, pretty tough for a lot of people, but how much did like starting a new business and also your yoga practice and your teaching, how much did that did that help you get through that year? Do you think easier than it would have been otherwise or how yeah, was it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, people are just connecting in different ways. And actually when I got furloughed from my job in the process of starting Hooch Booch, um, I decided to pursue my 300 hour yoga training. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, crazy, I know. <laughs> so this past summer, I, um, it was a six week intensive 300 hour training. So for those of you who don't know, like what yoga trainings look like, um, it's typical to do a 200 hour training through yoga Alliance as to become a certified yoga teacher. I did that back in 2018. So got my 200 hour, um, and then my studio was hosting a 300 hour and my yoga director was like, would you want to do it? Would you want to participate? Um, you know, there's a lot of great opportunities once you have 500 hours under your belt of yoga. And I was like, sure, why not? Honestly, kind of booked it on a whim and ended up being like the most rewarding, amazing experience. Uh, it started in June, finished in August. It was, um, Thursday to Sunday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. throughout the summer. Wow. So, and it was virtual, all virtual. Ooh. Oh my gosh. But the amazing part about it being virtual was that I got to meet, it was a completely female group and it, they were from all across the United States. So I now have friends from my 300 hour training that live in California, Connecticut, like all over basically, um, which was a really cool experience. I've only met like three of them in person, um, which is super weird. Uh, so yeah, the yoga definitely, um, helped get through it. And also I think created another sort of side hustle business to 
kind of also push hooch booch along. And the nice thing is, is like the worlds really blend nicely together. Like next Friday, we're starting to open up Friday night yoga classes at the studio. And my yoga director was like, Hey, do you want to pass out hooch booch samples Friday night after class? So I think it kind of, it all works itself out with the two worlds kind of blending into one. And did I understand right when we were talking beforehand that you had just traveled to Alaska recently too? So Um, this is actually a connection from my 300 hour training. So Molly Busby uh, was a facilitator on my 300 hour training. She um, does some off the grid living in Montana and also in Alaska. They just started a um, retreat center up in Wiseman, Alaska called Arctic Hive. Their yoga studios are called Yoga Hive. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. It's in Whitefish. That's where the studio is in Montana. Um, Funny enough, we're about an hour, not even an hour away from Whitefish right now. Love it. (laughs) So yeah, we're gonna have to go on a field trip. (laughs) We're here outside of, uh, just on Flathead Lake. Yeah, nice for the entire summer. So yeah, we're gonna have to. You'll have to check out Yoga Hive. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, so Arctic hive, Molly was, um, one of the lead facilitators or one of the facilitators on our 300 hour. And she ended up sending out a newsletter, like, mm, I don't know, a couple weeks after being like, we have this retreat center up in Wiseman, Alaska, if anyone's interested. And my yoga director reached out to me and she's like, we should totally go on this. And I was like, yeah, we should started to kind of like look into the pricing and financing of it. Um, For those of you who have been to Alaska, I'm not sure if you all have, um, it's kind of a journey to get there. So on top of the retreat, you know, figuring out plane tickets, all of that type of thing. And I think you've probably noticed by now, I'm somewhat impulsive about decisions. And on Thanksgiving, I just decided to book, just pay the trip outright. And I was like, I'm going to Alaska and just booked it. the timing then seemed perfect. And of course, as it is, the timing is always perfect. It didn't feel perfect when I left like less than a month ago, um, getting ready to launch the company, uh, doing it from off the grid when we started our first round of brewing at Woods Boss, but everything, you know, works itself out. Um, so it was a yoga retreat for the first like four ish days. And then I went to visit a friend over in, um, just outside of Anchorage. And we did some traveling around there together post yoga retreat. So it was kind of a two in one trip. I'd been meaning to get up to see her anyways, and it felt kind of perfect to do both at once. So was this your first time in Alaska? It was first time ever in Alaska. So we flew into Fairbanks and then it's about an eight hour drive straight North to Wiseman. So it's literally seven, eight hours from the nearest grocery store, hospital, like very, very remote. So, and you, you went in around Thanksgiving, you booked it. When was the retreat again? Uh, I left on March 30th. Okay. So it was still not, you know, hot. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely not hot, but apparently not as cold as it could have been. Okay. (laughs) It was dropping down to like negative 15 at night. So I got to see the Northern lights. Oh, Oh, wow. Like two of our four nights, which was incredible. It's really cool. I'm actually wearing, um, there's a woman in town who owns like a little, uh, boutique. It's a town of 12 people. So when I say town, it's like village, like just some houses in the village cabins. Um, but she owns this cute boutique called twisted willow. And she does like, these are, um, caribou antlers earrings. 
earrings. I've got this like lynx tooth earrings too. They're all about like sustenance living up there. So it was a whole learning process in itself, but, um, how they treat animals and things up there. It was honestly like a really, really cool learning experience outside of the yoga as well. Just completely different lifestyle in Alaska, especially when you're that remote. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We yeah. have plans to go in 2023. So nice. We want to drive and stay up there actually for like around a year or two. So every time we hear stories about Alaska, yeah, uh, it's great. It's yeah. beautiful. And I've heard the drive there through Canada is honestly amazing as well. So I, it's a whole journey, whole experience in itself. So while you were there, was it more daytime or more nighttime all the time? Cause in Alaska, I hear that it kind of more daytime. It wasn't getting dark until 10 30. And when I was there, they were gaining 15 minutes of light every day. That's oh. how fast it moves. It's crazy. Yeah. So now it's light till after midnight. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But it was like, I feel like my system's like totally in tune with like when it gets dark, I get tired. And so it was kind of nice to be able to enjoy staying up a little bit later over, you know, conversation and just like taking in all of the nature too was incredible. Being able to have longer days outside to, you know, snowshoe, hike in and out, dog sled, that type of thing. That's great. Wow. It sounds like you took it all in up there. Snowshoeing, dog sledding. Oh, yeah. I was dog sledding. I've never dog sledded before. It was great. Um, I had done it once before in Breckenridge back in college, but it's a completely different experience in Alaska for sure. I mean, it's pretty authentic and you're, we literally like walked down into the village, uh, met this guy, Steve, who took us out dog sledding and uh, it was so cool. It was great. Like, we were just out in the middle of nowhere, like going across rivers, going across lakes, just like me and my friend Kat just hanging and he was directing it. It was really cool. Wow. That's great. I love that. Well, so speaking of outdoor things, I have to go back to Colorado for a second too. Like you mentioned skiing. Where's your favorite ski resort? <sighs> I think my favorite ever that I've skied is Crested Butte. I love it up there. It's like such a cute little town in itself too. Uh but I think like pretty typically I have the icon pass, but most normally, I guess, got the Epic. So places that are close and accessible from Denver, Breckenridge, Keystone, a basin. I really love Vale too. Yeah. 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 I think our, I can get a reservation now. <laughs> yeah. <maybe. laughs> There's so many great places to, to, we snowboard, but to, to snowboard right. in Colorado. But I think like our favorite is one of our hometown mountains is a basin. So I mean, yeah. I do love the air, like Crested Butte, Steamboat Springs, and the little mountain towns. But yeah, this is so accessible, and it's open for so long. Like spring skiing there, so great. Oh, totally gosh, yeah. Especially when it stays open sometimes for the Fourth of July. Like that's just a big uh, old party. So crazy! It makes no sense. No, <laughs> I love it. But you know, I don't know. The ski culture should never make sense. It should just be fun. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It shouldn't. No need to overthink. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so that's going to be cool too, to bring the hooch pooch, you know, on the ski trips. And yeah. yeah, that was kind of a lot of the inspiration for the cans. Honestly, initially I felt bottles were the move, especially thinking like speakeasy hooch things are always carried in like bottles. Um, but for one, they're not super sustainable. Um, packaging costs are super expensive. Uh, delivery costs are super expensive and it's just harder to move around. Um, and then I was also thinking about skiing and I was like, you know, a lot of times we're packing a couple of beers or 
seltzers in our packs, you know, um, which are all packaged in cans. It didn't feel like bottles were really the appropriate move for any sort of um, festivities outdoors. <laughs> What's the hardest thing you've come across so far in creating this, your business? Um, just something that just was like, oh my God, I quit. Never mind. I'm not doing this. <laughs> was there ever that point? Probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's, you know, for me, I think I'm always questioning things like, is this the right move? Should I be doing this? And I think that's probably the hardest part about it is like when the self-doubt starts to creep in and be like, oh, it's just, it's just too much. Like logistically, like, how am I going to get all of these kegs here, kegs from Woods Boss to here to there? And like, I think, um, doing it all on my own, at least to start felt super daunting and honestly still feels like pretty daunting. And so I think it's the self-doubt that's probably the hardest part about it all. Like what if the concept doesn't come to life and now I'm sitting on 20 kegs, uh, 15,000 cans and like all of this inventory and all of this whatnot. But then it's like, also what if it succeeds? And I think that's the thing that's been pushing me the most. Um, I have a little like quote that's hung above my mirror in my room and it says, trust the process. And that's been my um, kind of inspiration for this past year. Um, a lot of things have gone down with the business, with yoga, with relationships. And I think it's just trusting um, my own intuition. So have, have you built up like a support system around you to help out when you come across that self-doubt or did that kind of have you already had that or did like something else organically build for that or? Yeah, I would say, um, my friends and family first and foremost have been like true inspirations and kind of what drive me forward. Uh, you know, hearing, I have a younger sister who lives in San Diego, but is moving out to Denver and just hearing from her, like, and my parents, how proud they are from friends who show up to canning days. One of my best friends is my graphic designer. And I think having all of these people around me that also have their hands in the pot too, helps to push it forward. They may not be, you know, a, an employee of Hooch Booch, but it's the constant, like, wow, I can't believe you're doing this so fast that I kind of have to take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, like it is happening. It's happening fast. And like, I am doing it, <laughs> you know, cause sometimes I think internally, it doesn't feel like we're doing it or it doesn't feel like a big deal. And then to other people, I think that's the affirmation that sometimes is needed. Well, yeah, you see the little, the micro steps every day, but they yeah, don't yeah. see that. They see the big jumps from here's the idea to now I have a brewer to now we have cans ready that I can yeah. try. That's what they're seeing from the outside. So for them, it's moving very fast, but for you, you're probably like, it's a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the day-to-day -day logistics that I like sometimes get caught up in, but you're absolutely right. I mean, from the outside looking in, it it just always looks different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and you yourself said it. I can't remember exactly what you had said, but you said something about like the timing wasn't perfect, but turns out it it is perfect. And that's usually how it works. You just can't see yeah. it. So. I mean, getting furloughed from my job was pretty awful. And I thought it was going to be six weeks six weeks turned into six months of unemployment. Um, but thinking back on it now, like it would have never propelled me to start this. I still to this day could have been working in corporate events or maybe found another job on LinkedIn that fit the bill for the pandemic, you know? Um, 
and I, I think it was the stillness and the yoga and the, um, obviously like I'm a constant goer, mover, shaker. And I think the pandemic kind of sat me down and was like, think for a moment instead of constantly doing. Where do they find the hooch? <laughs> it's a big secret. Uh, no, um, um, as far as where to purchase your four pack, uh, we'll be selling it at the wine dispensary, which is like downtown Denver area. Um, the lodge at Woods Boss will be opening somewhat soon. I think in the next month or so, they'll be serving cans there. There's various other places around town that have basically given us the verbal wink, go ahead. Um, but in the next week or two, we'll be announcing um, both on our email list and email list, website, and Instagram. So um, if you had to any one of those places, it's hooch, booch, kombucha. I know it's a bit of a mouthful, um, but you can find all of the up-to-date information there. I'm sure it'll be, you know, constantly changing where things will be held, but. Yep. And I'll put all the links in the show notes too. So people. Oh, great. Thank you. So people can Thank stay you. on top of where you're going to be because you got a lot of things happening. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just oh, starting. Yeah. And I'm sure I, there's going to be lo- new locations coming up fast and furious over the next weeks. So over the next few weeks. Absolutely. We've um, already got like really great responses, both on like the branding and the taste of it. Um, To be honest, like I haven't gone to one place where they've said like a hard no to selling it. So they've basically been like, come back with cans and um, we have the cans as of today. So these next two weeks will be um, super telling as to how it's received in the marketplace. And then, you know, obviously when, when it's on the shelf is, is go time for uh all of you out there, consumers, beer drinkers, um, to give it a shot and see what you think. I'm excited. And I imagine you as an event planner, can't wait to see what other events you plan (laughs) for the future. (laughs) Yes, we have some more coming up. So a few weeks ago, we had a collaboration with Beyond Gouda. I have a friend who owns like a charcuterie company and she's constantly doing workshops for how to build charcuterie boards. And so last time we did it pairing with Hooch Booch, which was super fun. So we're going to try to do, I think, um, one like every month going forward. And then, um, as I mentioned earlier, I have a friend who owns Fireside at Five, the industry-based kind of collaboration. They have a series right now called Gin and Jazz. It's basically to bring jazz back to the Five Points Rhino neighborhood. And um, Hooch Booch will be sponsoring the June month of Gin and Jazz. So you can purchase uh, tickets on their website too, if you like jazz music or just like live music in general, if you're <laughs> missing that due to the pandemic, um, it's held at tracks, I believe tracks or Exto in Denver. Um, so super close over here to Woods Boss and all of that, um, tickets can be found on their website and yeah, Hooch Booch will be sponsoring the month of June. So lots of events coming down the pipeline. <laughs> That's exciting. I just want to say, I'm really excited for, it's great to hear all, stories like yours of some of the great the good things that came out of this last year or so. Cause you know, we get so caught up in, in the news headlines and the negativity and how bad it can be and was at times, but there's a lot of good that came out of this last year. And I think uh, hooch booch is one of those great stories. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It can definitely be daunting for sure. But um, the goal is to, of course, bring positive out of every situation. So here well, we are, <laughs> you know, our listeners can't really see your face, but she definitely ha- you definitely have like an infectious smile and you can just feel the passion and see the <laughs> passion in you. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was, uh, this was great. I really appreciate you having me on. It's great to, uh, 
share it with more people, of course. Yeah. And I, I hope to see you on maybe another year and we can talk more about how it went. Yes, absolutely. Would love to. What awesome. new states you've got in tap in a year. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? Maybe Alaska. We we had actually talks with, um, we had talks with the Arctic Hive team up there. Um, it's Molly and then her husband, Sean, about doing, there's like a seltzer that they really like up there. It has like pine needles in it is like a nod to Alaska. It, it's really good seltzer, but we were saying they'll have to pick some uh, spruce tips and send them down here for a little special collaboration with Hooch Booch. So that hey. could be kind of fun. Maybe it journeys its way back up to Alaska. Spruce Booch. Nice. <laughs> a limited edition. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers. Yes. Cheers. I'm drinking water, but I'll probably be grabbing what? some Hooch Booch on my way back. Drink- yeah, you sometimes you just gotta drink water. <laughs> Tanning day was a little rough yesterday. <laughs> I'm recovering today. <laughs> well, cheers to recovery. Cheers. Cheers to recovery. <laughs> yep. Okay, so at the end we cheers to recovery because you know she's talking about the canning day mm-hmm. and how like yeah, yesterday like the canning day was just a little it was it was a lot of fun. Canning days can be fun and like we canning all mentioned day is fun. Yeah, well well <laughs> too much fun sometimes it, at the end. If you're just doing it every day as a job, it kind of loses some of its glamour. But when you come in as a volunteer or you're first starting your first canning runs of a new business like hard kombucha like Anna was and like you're just having fun with it and you're drinking beers or hard kombucha off the canning line, like you can, can get fun and that's what you're doing basically the whole time is like drinking good good beverages and having good conversations. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, sometimes you do need a bit of recovery from those good beverages. But then back earlier when she was talking about how um, she kind of came to the decision of creating her own business with hard kombucha, it was the stillness, I guess, of the pandemic and then her ability to probably um, embrace that stillness because of her yoga training that kind of got her thinking more about that. And I, I just think that that recovery piece that she mentioned at the end yes of course like you know you drink too much you recover but at the same time like you're trying to start recovering from something that changed a lot of us this last year and a half and that's i don't know i thought that was kind of a cool way of thinking about it when she's talking about the stillness no it is and i think a lot of people have took that reflection time over the last year to like we talked about i think when we were first talking at the big to introduce the podcast as a lot of people reflected over the last year and came to a lot of, you know, life altering decisions that they probably wouldn't have if they were stuck in the same hustle bustle, no disruptions kind of life that you have. So, you know, cause it's easy when you get going in life to just keep rolling along with whatever you're doing and kind of not, maybe not be as intentional about what you're doing as you sometimes should. And sometimes that's okay too. Yeah. But I, I think, it was a nice reset for some people in a way. I mean, crappy reason to have a reset, but, and this is, this is like so cliche, but things happen for a reason usually. So, okay. I'll go with that. But at the same time, I think humans as like humans just seem to need that pain point to make a change. We can't do it. Most people can't yeah. do it unless there's some, push to do it or some pain point that you can no longer do it the way you're doing it and for some reason we need to we need that for things to happen we can't just do it on our own so i guess i don't know gotta go look over the edge and almost slip and fall before you (laughs) make the (laughs) make the change speaking of life choices and speaking of life choices 
being intentional about your life and what you want to do. Oh, Kenny's going to take my advertisement. Maybe you should make a life choice and come have some fun with us in Ure, Colorado. And this October, it's from October 7th through the 10th, Camp Carpe Diem. That is a gathering that our friends Barry and Deb at the Virtual Campground and us at Living a Stout Life have put together to just kind of come explore what this like nomadic life has to offer and some of the fun things about it and some of the community building around it and just have a good time with us for the weekend. So, yeah. Where are they supposed to go? Well, what I'm going to say, where you should go is Uray, Colorado. But before you do that, if you want to book your tickets... I'm going to leave this up to April because she has this down to a science. No, Here's I where really to check it out. wanted to hear you say it. That's why I was going with that. I wanted to hear uh, you say put it. Put me on the do spot. It. C-A-M-P. No. Nope. You can't do it. Sorry. C-A-M-P. C-A-R-P-E. D-I-E-M. Dot com. Camp Carpe Diem. Dot com. Whoa. That really tested my spelling skills. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to hear if Kenny could say it like that, but no. That's I cannot. I, I cannot. I don't have that great voice that you have, that, that great radio voice. <laughs> oh, and we're actually starting to get some of our uh, camp counselors' bios up on that site, too. So right now we got Jill and August Wheeler up there um, of Flex Fix and Outside Nomad. And they're um, in the awesome um, people, the awesome mountain bikers. And they're going to be helping us with the mountain biking portion of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah they're, they're many, many levels above us on mountain biking. And we're not bad, but they are fantastic. And they're also wonderful teachers and just, like you said, great people. Uh, Make sure and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends about the podcast, have them check it out. But uh, with all that, just enjoy life. And as Anna says, dare to go harder. Dare to go harder. And to that, cheers, baby. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.